Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Across the pond, in the United Kingdom, so-called, in Great Britain, in Scotland, Scotland, in Glasgow, three people were murdered in a attack, a knife attack. This happened in the stairwell of a hotel. Now, this is fascinating in that it took place one week following an Islamist terrorist knife attack in Reading, a town west of London, in which three people were murdered, three people were seriously wounded, and the Islamist terrorist had been arrested previously, jailed for a brief time previously for assault. What relevance does this have to the United States of America? I wonder. Or to the rest of the free world? Well, the United Kingdom, Great Britain, like all free nations, with the exception of a leviathan like the United States of America, a dinosaur like the United States of America. None of them even allow for the possibility of capital punishment, of execution. No matter how grievous the crimes, no matter how many people are murdered, there is no possibility of capital punishment, of execution. Now that probably, undoubtedly, has less to do with regard to terrorist attacks than other murders that are committed. But nonetheless, it is a factor. But here in the U.K., In Great Britain, the overwhelming majority of police are unarmed. And the Islamist terrorist murderer who committed this monstrous attack in Reading, England, he was described as being a local man. A local man. What would a local man be? Would that be a citizen? No, not in this case. But curiously enough, he was described as being a local man. At no time was he described as being Islamist, when in point of fact, that's what he is. Furthermore, he is a Libyan man. But as far as this attack in reading, it is a distance removed from Glasgow, Scotland. But here, the wonderful United Kingdom, oh, they have had 
tremendous gun control for so very long, decades and decades. But what does gun control in the UK and Australia and Canada and so forth, what does it look like? Well, it happens to amount to virtually total confiscation of firearms. That's right. And imprisonment of people who've refused to relinquish such dangerous firearms as pellet guns or 22 caliber <laughs> firearms. But they do allow for some shotguns at certain clubs, but of course not for self-defense. And again, the overwhelming majority of police are unarmed. But it is just an idyllic situation in the UK. Gun control, so-called. And yet, fascinatingly enough, Again, gun control has meant gun confiscation. And again, with heavy prison terms, heavier than for murder, heavier than for terrorist attacks, heavier sentences, 10 years. Remarkable, as well as extremely heavy fines. A while back, back in 2017, I've made mention of this before, but it bears repeating. This outstanding young Christian British soldier had returned after a tour of duty in Afghanistan or Iraq, Afghanistan, I believe. And he had a lovely young wife and a baby. And he came out of a military facility in London to cross the street. And of course, he was unarmed. And he was run down by a couple black Islamists who then hopped out of their vehicle and hacked away at him with a machete and a meat cleaver. Those two wonderful, upstanding men, they were sentenced to five years in the resort-like prison system of the UK. Five years. But for people who did not relinquish firearms, including such things as twenty-two caliber firearms or pellet guns or shotguns, Shotguns used for hunting birds or for shooting trap or skeet or sporting clays and so forth. They could be imprisoned for 10 years. Fined a quarter of a million pounds. What a wonderful, equitable, just justice system there is in the UK and in Canada and in Australia, and so forth. But 
It is the solution. It is the blueprint. It is the template that the United States of America should follow. Even though after decades of draconian, onerous, so-called gun control, a.k.a. gun confiscation, and terrorism of those who own guns, who are lawful citizens and law-abiding citizens, after all of that time, organized crime is always armed. (laughs) Street thugs, all of the gangs, more than 200 black, Caribbean, vicious, ruthless gangs in the greater London area, and they're armed. Teenage boys, thugs, they're armed, not just with handguns, not just with semi-automatic handguns, but with submachine guns, sawed-off shotguns, and you name it. Fascinating. But... Again, UK is, you know, the example we should follow. Meanwhile, in jolly old Britain, they have had, apart from their really huge terrorist attacks, there was a suicide bombing at a concert in Manchester back in 2017 at a concert of a well-known young woman. 22 people died. How many were maimed? How many were mutilated? How many were burned and scarred for life? Well, that's trivial. Then there were other attacks in London. In two cases, People were targeted, were murdered, including one woman who was a member of parliament. But here this fine Libyan citizen, Kyrie Sadala, who lived in Reading, who again had assaulted an emergency worker. Now, it wasn't stated what that emergency worker was, whether it was an unarmed policeman, whether it was a firefighter, whether it was an EMT. But he assaulted, violently assaulted an emergency worker, spent a little bit of time, two months, two months in lockup (laughs) last year before committing this murder and reading in which he stabbed three people in the throat, three other people chased after others. Just a fine young man, 25 years of age. But here in the United States of America, in Minneapolis, the city council has proceeded with completely, totally dismantling the police department. That's right. Whereas in other major metropolitan areas of the United States of America, there are 
ongoing efforts to defund the police and to take funding for the police and give it to more worthy organizations, black community service groups, that sort of thing. It is just so wise and wonderful in Los Angeles, in New York City, and so forth. It reminds me of a situation in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico has been experiencing extremely heightened gang warfare on the streets of San Juan during the day. Curiously, this coincides with the downsizing of the police force. The downsizing has not been dismantling. It hasn't even been deliberate downsizing. But what has taken place is this, is that various individuals have retired have left the force, and they have not been replaced. They have not been able to replace them. (laughs) And meanwhile, others have quit due to fear (laughs) of violence. And this has exacerbated the violence, shockingly. Who would have imagined that? Who would have been able to envision that? To forecast that possibility? Who would have thought that with reduction of police, there would be an increase in brazen violence by gangs? Astonishing. Certainly counterintuitive. No, no thinking person would have imagined that there would be some sort of cause and effect relationship there. Certainly not. Not linked like that. But here in the United States of America, in Hollywood, Hollywood, the entertainment capital of the world, even though Mumbai, India, formerly Bombay, famous for Bollywood, it produces three times as many movies which are distributed in various parts of the world, three times as many as Hollywood. But Hollywood is the entertainment capital of the world, undisputedly, even though undoubtedly a great many Indian Indian people would take issue with that. But in Hollywood, wonderful Hollywood, there is a purge going on. A purge, you ask? I thought that had something to do with communism. And maybe even with fascism. Well, yes, there is that. (laughs) It is. The communist regimes, the fascist regimes are notorious for their bloody purges, mass murders, 
of people who are identified, described, categorized as being threats to the national security. But in Hollywood, this is a comparatively bloodless purge. And all of those being purged are Caucasian or white or at least non-black. That is with no obvious African ethnicity. And they are being purged, fired, removed from programs, and the programs are being sanitized from their presence. (laughs) Their presence is being expunged from the programs. Because they have committed the unthinkable, the unimaginably evil offense of at some time or place having said something that could be construed as being racist. Of course, blacks never say anything racist. Never. There is no such thing as racism committed by blacks. Never. It's an impossibility because this has been defined as being white versus black, white disparaging black, white disrespecting black. It never happens the other way. It never occurs the other way. Hate crimes are white versus black. It's never black versus white. That never constitutes a hate crime. That's just murder as usual. That's just rape and murder as usual. That's just kidnap, rape, and murder, or kidnap, rape, and sex trafficking, as usual. That is not hate crime. That's the way it is in brilliant, advanced, sophisticated, intellectually honest United States of America. Home of the free, land of the brave. But Hollywood, the entertainment capital of the world, is at... Ground zero, if you will, the epicenter of this blacktivism, this current blacktivism movement. It is also at the epicenter of this sodomite activist movement. (laughs) So many other initiatives that have been taken to corrupt, to subvert, to pervert the people of the United States of America, but chiefly focusing on targeting the young, the youth, the most impressionable, the most easily swayed. But, meanwhile, in New York State, New York State, New York City, but also the rest of this wonderful state. Fascinating steps that have been taken there, of course, to combat the COVID-19 global pandemic. 
as it affects New York State and New York City in particular. Well, Judge Gary Sharp, he is a federal judge. And the other day, yesterday, he issued a ruling blocking the state of New York from enforcing restrictions imposed by Democrat Governor Andrew Cuomo, Democrat Mayor Bill de Blasio, Democrat Attorney General Letitia James, to block them from enforcing coronavirus restrictions, which targeted religious gatherings, religious services, and limited those services to 25% capacity attendance in their facilities. And you might say, well, wait a minute. I mean, we have to do something to combat COVID-19. And who's to say that a judge should supersede what these public servants, in their wisdom, have (laughs) elected to do by executive order? Well, (laughs) if it were the other way around, if instead of it being these wonderful public servants who came out with these directives. If instead of that, it was the judge who was doing so (laughs) and imposing that on these public servants, oh, yes, oh, that judge would be wonderful. But instead, it's this way. And interestingly enough, these outstanding public servants, they have seen fit to impose these restrictions on religious gatherings, on Christian services and Jewish services, while allowing other gatherings to have 50% attendance. Oh, there's no double standard there. There's no hypocrisy there. There's no unrighteousness there. To limit religious gatherings to one half of the percentage of attendees of other gatherings. That's reasonable. That's fair. Right? Well, maybe not so much. And of course, you know, as long as the gatherings are in a good cause, you know, Black Lives Matter, well then... Throw the restrictions out altogether. They can gather in groups as large as they care, in mobs as large as they care to. Those mobs won't be numbered, after all. No. And instead, the Democrat politicians will pander to them, demagogue to them, speaking before them and stirring up the troops and what have you. Don't need to have social distancing then. No need for mandatory face masks, face coverings then. No. No. 
Strangely enough, what kind of equity is that? What kind of equality is that? I wonder. Well, in the great, great capital of the United States of America, the House of Representatives approved a bill to formally admit Washington, D.C., the nation's capital, as a state. Something diametrically contrary to the intentions of the founders of this nation. But so what? So what with them? Well, this great plan, it would shrink. It would consolidate the government within the capital in a manner of speaking. It would create a new mini, mini micro capital consisting only of the White House, the Capitol building, the Supreme Court, and the other federal buildings along the National Mall. That would be the new capital Everything else would comprise this new 51st state, which would be named Washington Douglas Commonwealth. So grand and glorious. And of course, there's no political motivation behind this. There's no political axe to grind here. No, 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 no. Far from it. Even though... This would have the effect of bringing two new U.S. senators into existence. Democrat, leftist, socialist U.S. senators who would join the Senate and change the power balance in the U.S. Senate and therefore in the federal government. It would also add another four representatives to the House of Representatives in addition to the one representative currently there becoming a voting representative. This would have a further (laughs) influence. But the big, big, big thing is this gain in the Senate. Oh, but there's no political motivation. Far from it. It has nothing to do with it. Before I continue, let me just say this. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever is right and true and good in these programs, in these program episodes, is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever is lacking, erring, deficient, unworthy in these programs, that is on me. That is due to me. That is my fault. But back to this wonderful blacktivism. It has been stated by various Ones in Hollywood. 
that the mistreatment of black communities and the systemic anti-black racism, they don't say anti-black, it's just racism. It's the only kind of racism there is in our country, in this nation, that it, you know, requires this social upheaval. Fascinating. Mistreatment of black communities. If you look across the nation, beginning by all means in Washington, D.C., and you go to every major metropolitan area in the nation, you will find mistreatment of blacks. Where? Where will you find that? You will find that in the black communities, in the inner city so-called communities, where black people are preyed upon viciously by black gangs. throughout the United States of America. But the answer is, let's disband the police so that these black gangs are unfettered, unhindered, free to commit even worse amounts of rape, murder, mayhem, and terrorism, which is not listed as being Terrorism. What in point of fact is domestic terrorism, but not aimed at the government, but aimed at civilian populations. Yes, there is systemic mistreatment of blacks committed by black gangs in black so-called communities, inner-city areas. Very notably in Washington, D.C., which has had the distinction time and again of being the murder capital in the United States of America. And when it has had this great honor to be named the murder capital of the United States of America... What was the status of gun ownership? Gun ownership was utterly prohibited. Not only concealed carry, but gun ownership. So families, single mother families, grandparents, great-grandparents, living in fear of their lives, in fear of their grandchildren, in fear of their children's lives, in fear for them, who were systematically preyed upon by these monstrous, vicious black gangs, they were not even able to attempt to defend themselves within their own homes. And if they did attempt to, if they did obtain a firearm, and they attempted to and succeeded in defending themselves from home invasion, they would be arrested, charged, prosecuted, and imprisoned. 
by the wonderful Democrat regime in Washington, D.C., in the non-state Washington, D.C. You can find these battle zones in every major metropolitan area of the United States of America that I'm aware of. But again, very notably, Washington, D.C., St. Louis, Detroit, Chicago, New Orleans, and on it goes, around the nation, systematic, systemic, anti-black racism committed by black gangs. But meanwhile, we have this great bugaboo about, oh, there being systemic racism in our country and mistreatment of black communities. After decades and decades and decades and decades of affirmative action, also known as reverse racism, but again, it's not reverse racism. It's just another form of racism. It is pro-black racism. After decades of that, that have favored blacks, African Americans over whites. Then we hear about this, this terrible mistreatment and this systemic racism. It's like the matter of the glass ceiling for women. Oh, they're so oppressed. It is such a damnable lie, a pack of lies. It is completely, utterly, totally politically motivated, even by the Black Lives Matter group, as demonstrated by their statements from their leaders. But It's all totally in keeping with the Democrat 101 playbook, which is in keeping with the wise and wonderful forerunners. As I mentioned, the communist rules for revolution, the Red Rules, 1919 which were updated by Saul Alinsky and his rules for revolution. But prior to the Red Rules, 1919, there were Karl Marx's rules. His key priorities contained within his Communist Manifesto of 1846. And prior to that, back in 1773, There was Meyer Amschel Bauer's 14-point plan for world domination. As I've mentioned before, these tenets, they are the same that are ascribed to today. Encourage civil disorders. 
and soft government attitude toward crime. That is from the Red Rules 1919. Encourage civil disorders. Black Lives Matter. Occupy. And so forth. Students for Democrat Society, a.k.a. Students for Democratic Society, the Black Panthers, Black Power, soft government attitude toward crime, decriminalizing drugs, illicit drugs, dangerous Addictive, destroying drugs. Decriminalizing drug pushing. (laughs) Drug use and therefore drug pushing. Legalizing it. And releasing those imprisoned for committing such things. And so forth. As well as, of course dismantling the police. Of course, that's not going to continue nationwide endlessly. No. No, the police will be needed. They will be needed to be used against the law-abiding population. The militarized police and the military And all of the law enforcement agencies and departments will be used against the law-abiding citizenry. Not the gangs. Not the vicious gangs. They never have been used against the vicious gangs. Just as they haven't been used against the pimps, the sex traffickers. Instead, they'll be used against First and foremost, the Christians, even as they have been used against the Christians who have peacefully opposed the evils of induced abortion. So no, the police won't be done away with. This is just a little gambit right now. But divide the people into hostile groups. Divide the people into hostile groups. Again, from the Red Rules, 1919. Race baiting. Break down the old moral virtues. Corrupt the young. Get them away from religion and into sexual sin. Take control of all media. Cause the registration of all firearms to eventually confiscate them. The Red Rules 1919 are in play today in the United States of America. 101 years later. The Communist Manifesto basically can be boiled down to its key tenet 
or point or priority. And that is seizure of all private property. It is worded different ways. Number one, abolition of private property. Number two, heavy progressive income tax. Number three, abolition of rights of inheritance. Number four, confiscation of property of rebels. Number five, central bank. That is institution of a central bank. Again, to confiscate private property. Number seven, government ownership of factories and agriculture. Again, private property. And then number nine, corporate farms, regional planning, again, taking private property. It's all about taking private property. Why is that, do you suppose? It is the way for the government regime to command and control the population utterly and totally. It is why that terrible, chauvinistic, sexist band of men known as the Founding Fathers stated that in order to vote, you needed to be a property owner. To put it crudely so you had flesh in the game. that you had vested interest. Oh, but vested interests are terrible. Well, not necessarily. Not when it comes to maintaining the right to own property. If you let these decisions be made by those who do not own property, overwhelmingly by those who do not own property, guess what? They will absolutely, in a heartbeat, agree to the elimination of any right to private property. Except, of course, for it to be redistributed to them. But, the number one Plan, point, in Meyer Amschel Bauer's 14-point plan for world domination. Meyer Amschel Bauer, who changed his name to Rothschild, who issued this plan in 1773, rolled it out to a group of influential men whom he met privately with to gain their cooperation, number one point, paid propagandists will arouse feelings of hatred and revenge against the ruling classes. And this was, of course, intended to supplant those ruling classes with an evil ruling class. But guess what? This is exactly what is going on in the United States of America. Via Occupy this and Occupy that and Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter most. Only Black Lives Matter. 
Black mobs matter most. Interesting timing. This 14-point plan it came out in 1773. This was not reflected in the movement for independence from Great Britain that took place here in America. But it was absolutely reflected in France with its monstrous, heinous reign of terror. But little things. The first principle, which happens to be number two, so that's kind of curious, but the first principle to remember is that law is force in disguise. What's important about that, do you suppose? That law is actually force in disguise. It's not about righteousness, truth, justice, Godliness, wisdom, it is force. The reason for laws is to use force on the citizenry. To command them and control them. That's what you have in the evil regimes each and every time. So point number three, political freedom is an idea, not a fact. Now, does the fact that Meyer Amschel Bauer says these things, does it make them so? No. No. In and of itself, it does not. But still, they deserve to be heard. Political freedom is an idea, not a fact. So these wonderful, pandering, demagoguing politicians that we have, who are rousing the troops, the people, about freedom, political freedom, social justice. These things are ideas. They are abstractions. They are not facts. Preaching liberalism is done so that the electorate, for the sake of an idea, will yield power and prerogatives into the hands of these who would take over. Use, number five, the use of any and all means to reach our final goal is justified. The end justifies the means. And so, Bill de Blasio, Andrew Cuomo, Gavin Newsom, the mayor of Los Angeles, all of these great people, Gretchen Whitmer and so forth, they can institute this, that, and the other thing by executive order, by executive fiat as petty tyrants, because the end justifies the means. 
They are justified because it's well-intended. Yes, we're supposed to trust them that it's well-intended, just like dear old James Earl Carter Jr., Jimmy Carter. What was his mantra, his slogan? Trust me. Trust me. I have your best interest in mind. It's for the greater good. Number six, our right lies in force. Our right, the only right, the only righteousness that these leftists have. Funny for the left to be talking about right, but the only right they have is in force. Right means to attack by the right of the strong, to reconstruct, also deconstruct and supplant all existing institutions. They reconstruct all existing institutions by deconstructing, destroying, supplanting. And they do this to become the sovereign Lord of all those who leave to the enterprise the rights to their powers by laying them down in their liberalism. Now, what is really, really rich about this is that so very many leftists, you know, progressives and so forth, proudly so open-minded, so leftist, they enable the viciously, ruthlessly leftist to take over. And then once the viciously, ruthlessly, satanic leftists have taken over, what do they do? They eliminate the duped, weak, foolish, blind, ignorant, immoral leftists because they fear them as being a threat, as being competition. It happens each and every time with these takeovers. But the power of our resources, number seven, the power of our resources must remain invisible until the very moment when our movement has gained such strength that no cunning or force can undermine it. So they only act ultimately to take over when resistance is futile. After they have made massive progress in weakening, in degrading the society, the nation. And again, alcohol, drugs, moral corruption, and vice will be used to corrupt the youth of all nations. That's number eight. Number nine, we have the right to seize property by any means without hesitation. This is actually being put in motion right now during these lockdowns via executive orders by governors across the nation. Our slogan, number 10, our slogan will be liberty, equality, and fraternity. 
Well, what could be more wonderful than that? Of course, that was the battle cry of the French Revolution, previously mentioned. Contrived and controlled, number 14, contrived and controlled panics and financial depressions will ultimately result in world government. One world regime. Oh, but it has no relevance for us. Not in this day and age. Not hardly. These are just coming attractions. Very soon coming. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you. Thank you.